0: This would be a great time to get out your Bibles if you've got them with you, your uh, Palm Pilots or your phones or however you access God's Word. Let's get into uh, God's Word this morning from 1 John. And we're looking at uh, chapter 4. Can you believe we're already into chapter 4? It's only been a few months. And we want to talk about our source today. Sometimes it's fun to go to the source of a river. Maybe you would go to uh, the Andes, the source of the um, Amazon. Or maybe you'd go to British Columbia, the source of the Columbia River. Maybe you'd go to uh, the, the Mount Rainier and the Nisqually River source. You thinking about source for a minute. Talk, what we're talking about today is what is the source? What's the origin? Where does it begin when we're talking today about truth and when we're talking today about love? And here's the note: John loves to connect truth and love together. Truth by itself can be stark, can be harsh, can be humbling. And love by itself can be warm and gushy, and not necessarily have much it to stand on. But when you put the two together, when you bring truth and love together, grace and truth that's in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's really what we're talking about today, the source of truth and the source of love in our lives. You know, first verse jumps us right in in 1 John chapter 4. Follow along with this. It may not be listed in your handout, but it's up here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I mean, right here at the beginning, you gotta note. When you become a believer, you are asked to be a non-believer. You catch that? Do not believe. When you believe in Jesus Christ, there's certain things that you do not believe in. You know, we are not to be gullible. We are not to be drinking in everything that comes down the pike. We're to be very discerning We're to be very disciplined at what we believe to be the truth. So the the idea here is don't believe. It's kind of like inhaling and exhaling, you know? There's things you're just going to discard and throw away and say this is not truth, this is not helpful, this is not good. But when it comes to what God has given us, when it comes to his truth, Obviously, we do believe that. Now, here he's, he's saying, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out in the world. I think there's two things that you don't believe. A false message or a false teacher, a false prophet. In this case, John kind of equates those together. The false teaching, the false message, And the false messenger. See, John had seen many people leave the church and many false prophets teaching many things, even in his day. I mean, we're talking about, well, uh, Jesus' grave and resurrection was not that far away. But even then, in John's day, false prophets had arisen. He says, many false prophets have gone out. What do they mean gone out? Gone out from the believers. Gone out into teaching and proclaiming the falsehood of what they believe. So he's saying, beware. Beware. What did you grow up being afraid of? Being aware of? Were you in the era where I was, where they kind of brought in the dare group about drugs Did you guys ever see that commercial? Here's your brain, here's your brain on drugs. That was my era, you know. So there's kind of the scared straight. Do you guys ever hear scared straight? You know, they tried to get you to beware of taking drugs and the ill that could come from that. They wanted you to be. That's what he's warning from here. He's trying to get the team on the same page to be cautious, beware, be be discerning. Be careful. I think that would be the thing we'd say is, be careful what you believe, especially in today's world when information is more readily available than any time in the history of mankind. So where would you want to be careful? College classrooms? High school classrooms? Grade school classrooms? (laughs) You know? It's a lot of false messages being taught to our young people. But in the church, what about over the internet? You can see every conceivable false doctrine being taught on the internet. What about false teachers that proclaim themselves to be preachers? What about even testimonies in a small group or in church? you got to even weigh out, filter through everything that's said and discern whether it's the truth or not. So do not believe every spirit, but test. So you say, well, how do we test? How do we test the spirits? You're going to have three questions today. In today's text, there's three questions that you can test the the, the spirits with. You can discern through these three questions whether it is the truth or not, okay? Many, many cults will deceive and and warp the truth. And so this is a way for you, a way for me, to filter through the truth and and sense this is false, exhale, this is truth, (sighs) hang on to digest, be a part of your life and let it grow in you. You know, the uh, Apostle Paul went to a town in Macedonia called Thessalonica and as he was preaching there, he's teaching and uh, the Jews get real upset. Paul's main modus operandi was to go to the Jewish synagogue and start teaching there. Well, they got really upset and they ran him out of town. He went a little further down the line to Berea. What was really interesting about Berea, his reception there was based on people who would filter out what was true and what was false. Here's what the Bible says about those Bereans. Now, these Jews in, in, in Berea were more not noble than those in Thessalonica. It says, because they received the word with all eagerness and they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so or these things were true. So what are you learning from this? Right away, you see examples like in Thessalonica and Berea. The Bereans were more noble because they were filtering out what was true from what was false. They were examining the scriptures and going, Paul, we see what you're saying. What you're saying is backed up by the Bible, by the scriptures. We're looking at those scriptures every day to see if what you're saying is true. And folks, we've got to do that today more than ever before. Don't accept anything Pastor Bruce or any other pastor says, but if it's weighted through, if it's filtered through, if it's through the sieve of God's word, then you have the opportunity to trust it, to see if those things are true. Base what you see, what you believe, on what God's word says. It's called discernment. Instead of just, well, I believe anything, believe something. Don't be a gullible believer. Be a discerning believer. Be someone who examines. You know, someone says, uh, I believe I can fly. Oh, that's a song or something, isn't it? You know, and believing that you can do something does not make it true, right? Okay, you know, figuratively, I guess you could take that song and say that's a good song, but don't jump off a building believing you can fly when you don't have the ability to fly. Now, when he says many false prophets have gone out into the world, the um, Satan says he disguises himself. The Bible says he's disguised even as a angel of light. So don't think it's easy to discern. You've got to be disciplined at the whole process. Well, let's take these questions. Jot this question down, if you would. The question is, are they, is this group, is this preacher, is this teacher, are these teachings? So it's either the messenger, false teacher, or the message. Is it following the true Jesus? Is it Incorporating an idea of Jesus that is accurate. Every cult that you want to examine will do two things. They'll either deify man or humanize Jesus. They'll distort the picture of who Jesus is. Every one of the cults, if you say, well, they believe the same God we do, the key is not God. The key is who do, do they say Jesus is? If they say Jesus was, he was just a good prophet. You know? Don't accept that cult. They say, well, he just lines up with everybody else. Don't accept that teaching. Examine what it says, and if are, are they following the Christ? Here's what it says. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. See, this idea of who truly is Jesus. The two false groups that were during John's day, one was called uh, Docetism. Docetism, they were so against material things. They didn't believe anything material could be good. So they didn't believe that Jesus had come in the flesh. They believed it was an imaginary, legendary, imagination thing. The second group of people, they're kind of connected to it, were the Gnostics. The Gnostics believed that, I mean, the whole word knowledge and Gnostic are connected but you had to have this special knowledge. But they believed that there was a, that Jesus was just a man, but that at his baptism, the Holy Spirit entered him, and from the baptism till the trial and the crucifixion, and they believed that at the crucifixion, the Spirit of God left him. So they believed that he was only the Christ during that period of time. That was the special knowledge that they had. That's called the Gnostics. Well, both of those, the Docetism, is also a Gnostic teaching. But they both denied Jesus had come in the flesh. See, one believed he was flesh, but then he endowed the Christhood. Both of them denied who Jesus was, that he was the pre-existent son of God, that he came from heaven, that he came as God, that God sent him as his one and only son. This, uh, this idea was terribly ruining the churches. The churches were being destroyed by these teachings. And so uh, John is, is, is saying, test these spirits and see if they are true. Remember what Jesus said in John 8? He said, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, if you ever want to know a passage where it says Jesus was God before he came to earth, there's a good one right there. He equated the I am that God said to Moses, who, what is your name, who are you, what are you gonna say to, to Egypt? <laughs> Tell them I am sent you. And Jesus says, that was me. That was me before Abraham existed. I am Jesus came in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When? In the beginning. (laughs) And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory like that of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace Grace and truth. That's kind of what we're studying today. (laughs) Grace and truth. Jesus did not take on his Christhood. He was God from the beginning. Don't let anyone confuse you with that today. If someone says Jesus was just a good man, that is physically impossible because no good man would do what Jesus did and allow people to worship him like he did. You cannot be calling Jesus a good moral teacher and have him do the things he did and claim the name that he did. He could not claim to be God if he was not God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We're talking about truth today, right?
1: I am the truth,
0: he says. No man comes to the Father but through me. There's an exclusivity to the belief that Jesus commands from us. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess Jesus is Lord with your mouth, believe in your heart that God sent him, what happens? (laughs) Salvation. It really comes from this very thing. Now, here it says that he has come in the flesh, is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, we're not talking about paying a kid and saying, you know, Here's ten bucks if you'll say Jesus is Lord or, or, Jesus is from God. We're not talking about. We're talking about true, saying it because you mean it, true confession. Okay, and no one's going to say in their heart that God, that Jesus came from God, unless they believe it. No, that's what he's saying here. Don't let it be, um, fake and super uh, uh, superficial. It's the Christological. Confession. Confess that Jesus. Uh, so, um, what's Paul say in Corinthians? Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. You know? That's the true confession. Jesus Christ is. Lord let's just repeat that together Jesus Christ is Lord you know and it's not just about spouting words it's about spouting words that you mean in your heart and no one is going to mean it and say it unless the spirit of God is working in them see there's a spirit of evil there's a false prophet spirit and there's the spirit of God and the Spirit of God will lead to this confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and be more than just words. In fact, it's more than words. It's, uh, I call it the identity. Your sins have been forgiven on account of His name. Our identity is wound up and bound up in His salvation, in His saving and, and forgiving. Of our sins. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Who is it that overcomes the world? Believers who've narrowed down who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And what has he done? How do we follow that? Now, here it says, You know, if Jesus is a mere man, there's no salvation. If Jesus was a mere man, there's no salvation. If Jesus is not God and he did not atone for our sins, then we don't have peace with God. I mean, it's all wrapped up in and focused in on the who is Jesus. The um, content of theology matters know that false teaching exists the spirit this is the spirit of the antichrist it says which you heard was coming and what's it say now. now is in the world at the time of john it was in the world and guess what folks it still is <laughs> the teaching of the antichrist is not the proper teaching of who jesus is anything that distorts The picture of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is the spirit of the Antichrist. Don't look for some figure that's gonna be a a worldwide figure that, oh, that's the Antichrist. The Antichrist is present in any and all false teaching. Are you catching that? This, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Whether it's a personal being that's embodying that through years. We've said different people were the Antichrist and they would embody that more than ever. But today, as in that day, the spirit of the Antichrist has gone out. See, theology matters. What you think about God, it's not just, well, who cares about doctrine? Who cares about that? God cares about that. You should care about that because it matters how you live and what you do With that, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, Jesus said. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them how? By their fruits. By their fruits. fruits. You can tell, but you've got to be discerning. You've got to be waiting. Well, should we judge people? Yes, you should judge teachers. You should judge what is being taught. You should be a discerning and a growing in discernment uh, believer. Don't believe everything. <laughs> That's what one version says. Don't believe everything you hear. Right. Okay? Oh, you just only believe it if it's in the internet. Yeah. Everything on the internet's true. yeah. Uh, yeah. One more here. Oh. One more here. But false prophets also arose among the people. This is the Apostle Peter tucking here. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, destructive teachings, and even deny the master who bought them. Catch that? Deny Christ. Deny the master. Deny Jesus who bought them, bringing them upon themselves swift destruction. So you got Paul, you got Jesus, you got Peter, And in this passage, you've got John, all teaching the exact same thing. Beware, beware, be cautious. And the biggest question you can ever ask is who is Jesus in this teaching? Who is Jesus to this teacher? How are they portraying the Son of God? How are they portraying my Lord and my Savior? What do you believe what Christ do you profess? Do you follow the true Jesus? Should we take question number two? Take question number two. Are they of the world? Are they of the world? Verses four and five really focus on that. That's this passage here. So what they teach about Jesus, question one. Are they from or of the world? Are they worldly rather than godly? What is their lifestyle? What is their background? You, dear children, I love the way he talks. You, dear children, are from God. Underline that. Don't accept anything that's not from God. <laughs> you know? If it's from the world, reject. If it's from God, accept. Catch it? your children. You are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. I, I was tempted just to preach on that one phrase today. Because <laughs> that is a sermon in itself. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you guys want to repeat that with me? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yeah. The contrast is the thing that John has made several times. The contrast he's made several times. God and the world. Godliness and unrighteousness. Um, Godly and worldly. That's why he says, don't love the world or the things in the world for all that's of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the world. Father, but from the world. He makes this great contrast. So now he's saying, if the teachers are from the world and they're accepted by the world, don't accept them. See them as false. But if they're from God, embrace it. Question three will help us sort that out, but oh, it's almost always obvious. Is it from the world or is it from the Lord? Don't accept it. If it's from the, well, see, we've got this idea in our country that everything has to be democratic. That you decide on truth by a vote. And the more votes that get, the, the more truth you've got. You know, that's our system and our falsehood. No, Jesus was kind of on the opposite. He's the one who said, narrow is the way. Let me go to that. He says he'd enter by the narrow gate. He said, the few there are who find it. You know, if we're going by democratic n- notices, that's not the way to find truth. Less, <laughs> the more it's accepted by the world, he says, is probably gonna be more likely false than true. Jesus was not followed by the majority. Jesus was from God. Even in the garden, you know, the Garden of Eden, what was it that Eve was tempted to do? He'll make you like God. And so there's this eagerness on everybody's part to be like a couple of the cults in our country that are just huge right now. Say, uh, One of them says, you, uh, God was once a man like you are, and you will one day be a God as he is. You know? That's a common cult teaching in our world. Well, that's the world. That's the desire to be God. You know? and that's not godly. That's not his plan for us. Instead of exalting man. See, I mentioned earlier, the easy things you can always see in cults, they humanize Jesus and they deify man. Almost every cult deifies man. You know what I mean by that? Making them God and humanizing Jesus, making him not who he says he was, which was indeed God of gods. So what is your world view? And you need to ask that when a teacher is teaching. What is their worldview? This is, that's an all-important question. Are they viewing God from the world or are they viewing the world from God's point of view? No. What is the basis of the truth that they're teaching? Is it from God or is it from the world? That's how you can tell. Are they of the world? Jesus said in that same passage about when he said in John 8, I am, before Abraham was, I am. He says, why don't you hear me? He says, why don't you hear what I'm saying? He who is of God, he says, hears my words. He who is of the world, he says, rejects my words. You can tell where you're from by who you're listening to and what you're listening to. So you can tell. Here's the second question. Are they of the world? So some of this would be worldly as in Um, health and wealth-focused, wealth-focused. There's a lot of cults that if you accept their teaching, you'll be rich and famous. Even sneaking into the church is a teaching, a false teaching that describes Christianity as a health and wealth gospel. Don't accept it if it's worldly. If it's about this world, reject it. Know that it is false teaching. Let's take question number three from this passage. Question number three, it's more the source of that truth. Do they follow the apostles? Do they get their truth from the word of God? What did the apostles do? They preached the Old Testament. (laughs) They taught the prophecies of the Old Testament being fulfilled in Jesus. And they wrote the New Testament So between the Old and the New Testament, here's the question. Do they, whoever these false teachers are, or these teachers, do they follow the apostles? If they don't, you can reject them out of hand. You can reject them immediately if they don't accept the teaching of the scriptures. Response to God's word. What's it say? We are from God. Whoever knows God, listens to us. He's speaking here as one of the 12 apostles. They listen to us, but whoever's not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood, gauging it on who you're listening to. Does that make sense? Now, remember when uh, Judas betrayed Jesus and departed and killed himself? There were only 11 Apostles left. Acts chapter 1. They came together and they said, w- w- we've got a vacancy. <laughs> we need to fill this vacancy. So they said, how do we fill it? Well, what's the criterion? What's the criterion for being an apostle? They stated it right there. We've got to go among the people and see who was with us from the baptism of John through the three and a half years Till the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Someone who saw the baptism and who saw the resurrection. They said, who is it? And they found two guys, two men that were present at the baptism of Jesus, were with him for three years, and were also present at the resurrection. So they couldn't figure out who, which of the two. You know what they did? We'd say they flipped a coin. And the lot fell with Matthias. He said, Matthias, you're now one of the 12. But the criterion is what I'm bringing out for the moment. They state what the criterion is. There had to be somebody who had been with Jesus. that That's what an apostle is. Someone who had devoted their life to following Jesus, who saw his baptism, but also saw his resurrection. That tells us this is a different group of us than we're used to seeing, There was no other 12 on the face of the planet than those 12. (laughs) And so the Old Testament and the New Testament. Who wrote the New Testament? It's written by the apostles, almost exclusively. Now you've got Luke, who wasn't an apostle, but he followed around the Apostle Paul. You've got a couple others that are writers, but for the most part, the 12 apostles wrote or dictated the New Testament, So you can have confidence in it. You can put your faith in it. You can use it as your sieve and your filter through which you pass all other truth. Does it match up with the scriptures? You see, that's the neat thing about Christianity. It's not just, well, let's take a vote and see if it's true. It's not just, well, I think it's true, so therefore it's true. No, we have an objective basis. We have a filter through which we can gauge is it true or not? I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That that blesses my heart to say, it is not random and undecided. It's clear and easy to discern. The New Testament is our authority. We are not to measure our own truth. I call it the final question. John says it in John 1. So this is earlier in this book. Is that which we have seen That which we have heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. John heard and saw Jesus and his teaching. He was holding people to the truth about who Jesus was and what he did. This is what we have seen, what we have heard, and what we proclaim to you. Now I call it the unifying source. In, in many ways, it unifies us to know that. Acts chapter 2 says, Acts chapter 2 says it this way they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What's the apostles' teaching? Well, they were verbally teaching but they were beginning to codify and write down their teaching. The New Testament was in development and that's what they devoted themselves to. Guess what, folks? The same thing we are to devote ourselves to. The New Testament. Devote ourselves to that. I'm gonna move on. The value of knowing God's word Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let it dwell in you and bubble out of you and be the filter through which you weigh all truth. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. You catching that? that's what we're to do. A.W. Tozer said there were seven tests. He said, first of all, like when you have a teaching, how does this deal with my relationship with God? Number 2, how does this deal with my relationship with Jesus? Number 3, how does this attack or or deal with my attitude to scripture? Number 4, how does this deal with my own self life? Number 5, How does this deal with my relationship with other people? We're going to get to that here in a minute. How does this relate to my dealing with the world system, the world that we live in? These tests that we were talking about a minute ago. How does this relate toward sin in my life? So here's these three questions. Jesus, we've got to know, how does this deal with Jesus? Worldliness? How does this message, does it come from the world or from God? And scripture, does this spring from God's word or in the apostles' teaching or not? Is that something we can all use to gauge truth, to measure and to weigh in our world that's kind of drifting? It gives us a true picture. So in true fashion, to what John often does, he doesn't leave it at just truth. He wants to combine Truth and love. Truth, I said, can be stark. Reality, but love. Here's the next phrase. He says, love is from God. God, that's the focus for the next couple of verses between seven and 12. The next five verses are gonna just unfold. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Love is from God. He is the source. He's the one we can count on. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because what? God is love. We've heard that before. Now, like the Apostle Paul, he kind of he does a linear teaching. He kind of wraps up each thing as he goes, and, and he kind of teaches in a linear fashion. John teaches in a totally different way. I call it a spiral. He keeps coming around to these same topics. (laughs) And he just kind of spirals around the truth over and over and over again. Have you not heard already about love? (laughs) Have you not heard already about truth? He's back on those teaching a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper each time. That's what he's doing here. Here he's talking about the origin, the source of love in this spiral kind of way. And, you know, he had heard this teaching from Jesus. I mean, he sat around the campfire while Jesus said, God is love. He sat around the campfire and heard over and over, so, you know, they're probably asking him, John, why do you keep talking about how God is love? He says, it's all important. It's the most essential teaching and truth you've got to get this one right. If you don't get this one right, everything else I've been teaching doesn't matter. God cannot do anything unloving. God only can do. Love is not one of God's activities. It is all of his activities. Love is what he is about. Everything in his activity book is love. He loves. Now remember the paternity test? It said you are born of God and you know God. It's back to that. You know God because God is love. Love is not in opposition to truth. Instead, it is the heart of this truth we've been examining. Love is from God. I want to go to the next one. Love motivated and moved God. Love is what made God do what God has done in saving us. See, what we've got here is not man reaching up to God. That's human religion. That's what the cults and everything he's teaching us against is about. Human beings trying to gain access to God. What does this teach? Exactly the opposite. You've got a holy God reaching down to a mere man, to human beings, to you and to me, saying, I love you. I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay that way. He brings himself, he says, this is how God showed his love among us. This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, don't picture God going, get down there, son, and save those people. Give your lives for them. And Jesus going, okay, father, I will. No, 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 no. You had this harmony between the father and the son where you had the son saying, gladly let me at him. No one can take my life from me. I will lay it down, Father. And because God the Father sent his holy son, and because the son went willingly and devoted, we have the salvation that is ours through the cross. Your sins and my sins. What's it say? This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Your sins are no longer counted against you. My sins are no longer counted against me. They are blotted out. They are removed. They are cleansed. They're atoned for. Now, if this was not taking place, if this is not truth, can you imagine the waste that God did by sending his son for no... If, If any way can lead to God and this is not necessary, why would he have allowed his son to go through what he went through? If there's lots of roads, lead to God. All roads lead to heaven. You heard that one? If that was the case, why would God have allowed his son to not only come to earth to live as a human being, but to give his life as a sacrifice for us? Does that make any sense at all? His son was sent. Again, we come to a pre existent Christ who was incarnated. I mean, that's the word that's here. He was sent in the flesh and experienced life on this earth and death for us. Last one here love demonstrates God in us. See, it's kind of like a full circle. God sent his son, but we get to fill that out by showing love to each other. Dear friends, since God so loved us, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Daryl, I'm thinking of an electrical circuit. You know? When you flip the switch... What's it do? It completes the circuit. The power is connected. (laughs) And it's kind of what he's getting at. When we love one another, when love in the church and in the family of God takes place, the circuit is completed and the power can flow. (laughs) Are you catching that? What's the source of the power? It's God. But it flows through you. It flows through me. He wants it to flow through the church family through the body of Christ and who does he want to reach everyone he wants us to be able to use his power when the switch is on to reach everyone that's the source of truth be very 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 careful to obey the truth and it's the source of love be very 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 loving like God is loving Bring those sources together and you've got true Christianity. Not false prophets, not false teaching, not the false body, but the true the true body of Christ. You know, in this world, it's hard to find a group that would really put into action all of what God's teaching here. The reason I love the church so much is I've had some tastes I've had some some experiences within the church family of the body of Christ being exactly that connection and that power. The reason what I wanted to encourage you about is all of us need to experience God's best in that regard, being true, being loving, being full of grace and full of truth. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for giving us Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for giving us these three questions we can ask in all circumstances to stay on track with you and to follow you and you only. Help us, Lord, to be just like you are, full of grace and full of truth. Let, let us be filled with love for one another and for the people you're trying to reach. May we be like you in every way, We devote ourselves anew to you and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.